You're listening to North Bay Christ the King's weekly sermon podcast. In this week's message, Pastor Dan McAvoy gives us a look at how God uses imperfection for His glory. But as I mentioned, we're starting a series today, and the the, the whole idea of flawed. When I when I thought of this and this idea that when we started this, this pre- preparation for this new series, what came to mind for me was, was diamonds for some reason. You kind of hear of diamonds have flaws and you kind of wonder if they're flawed or not. And so it reminded me 24 years ago when, when I was a college student and, and I had to make a big decision and that was to pick out a ring. And I, I look back and I think, I didn't really have any help to pay, pick out the engagement ring for Christy at all. I can't remember. Maybe we went ring shopping at some point or looking around. But I remember the burden of being upon me because, you know, going to get, you know, get this rock out there that I, I have no idea what I'm looking for and to get. But I remember the day that I did it. In fact, I remember the evening that when I bought her engagement ring. I was talking with her on the phone. We had we're in a long distance relationship. I was at college. She was at back at her house at home. And, and I and I remember her crying on the phone. And it was it, she had tears and but what she had shared with me was her her sister had just got engaged that day. And she she was tearing up. And, and guys, I don't know like it's hard to tell even in person how your girl, your girlfriend, or your wife is at times, right? Over the phone, it's even more difficult. Like, honey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm happy for her, but I'm, I don't know. I'm just emotional. And what she was saying to me is, buddy, you need to step up. When are you going to come through? My sister got engaged. When are we going to get engaged? That's really the message she was sharing with me. And I'm just biting my lip. I'm like, babe, I I just got this ring. Like, I wanted to tell her that. Like, I got the ring. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. And, and so I, it, what I, my plan was I was going to wait two more weeks because I was going to propose to her on her birthday, which I did. And she said yes. It worked out really good. Nine months later, and actually today, June 11th, 1994, we got married. We're actually celebrating this day, 23 years of anniversary. Isn't that funny how it worked out today? It's today, you know that, right? We talked about it. <laughs> and you know what's also amazing? She's wearing the ring still. Isn't that amazing? It's still there. And she doesn't wear it like she used to, like it's real heavy, you know, like look at my ring. She doesn't do that anymore. Why don't you do that later? Just flash that thing. Um, <laughs> it's valuable. She's wearing it because it's valuable, but it's not just, it's not just the value of it monetarily, but it's the sentimental value. But the ring has value. And I remember going into, back to the, the whole, the jeweler, and, you know, they look through this high-powered lens, and they show you, like, the different, you know, colors of it, and the, there's flaws. I mean, rings, I didn't know this, that even some of the best diamond rings, they still have little flaws and different things. And I thought about that. I thought how if the best of diamond rings have flaws, the best of people have flaws too, don't they? That we really are flawed people. But the word flawed, we, we put the definition because we're talking about the whole summer here. It's kind of long. A, a mark, a fault, or imperfection that mars a substance or object, mistake, defect, blemish, fault, imperfection, defection, uh, deficiency, uh, weakness, weak spot, point, length, inadequacy, shortcoming, limitation, or failing. Okay? Does that describe anybody you know? <laughs> 
Don't point fingers. People buy them back to yourself. Yeah. The reality is that really, if that, but here's the thing. If, if, if you, though, don't relate with that, you go, uh, actually, no, I'm, I'm really good. I'm, I, I don't see any problem or fault or anything in me or anything like that. Well, I want you to just to put you on warning. I don't know if you saw the sign coming up in the door. No perfect people are allowed in here. Did you see the sign? What? You can go ahead and get up now. No. <laughs> Pride. Okay. No. Everybody, you know, you're thinking, well, everybody's, you know, the people are, you're new here. Some of you new to like, everybody seems nice. Yeah. Until you get to know them. Right. <laughs> Wherever you've heard that before, everybody's normal until you get to know them. Right. We're all flawed people. But yeah, one of the greatest strengths that Christ the King, and we, 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 we humbly say this as part of our mission statement, that we're here to create an authentic Christian community. What does authentic mean? It means being real. It's being like, you know what? Well, we don't have a problem around here to admit our faults and our flaws. In fact, what we find value in it is that it's relatable. And that there's people in this world, and part of our mission statement is to reach out to unchurched people. And unchurched people, you know what? They're pretty flawed people, outwardly, aren't they? People that have, they're messed up, and there's brokenness, and there's hurt, and there's pain, and they feel like they don't fit into a church. We actually like those people, because that's us. We don't, we don't quite fit all the time. We don't, we don't have life figured out, because what is offered is... This love and acceptance, forgiveness that Christ offers us. That's where we find value. That's, in, that's who we really are to experience this, this joy of salvation and leading into this purposeful life of discipleship that we're, that we're about. But it starts with going, you know what? We're real people with flaws and issues in our life. We're fatally flawed, actually. We're, we're, it's because of the fall. Adam and Eve... Once they bit into that forbidden fruit, there was a crack in the whole foundation of what perfection looked like. And, 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 and because of it, this splinter took place and this ripple effect that, that causes where, where it leads to terrorism and killing many people. It also, you, you can relate with it as well because it's, it's, it's in you. It's this selfish, sinful heart that we have. See, we're flawed in many ways. We're flawed in our health our, because our, then our bodies get old and decay and die. We're flawed in our heart. It, it, flawed created selfishness and hatred and jealousy and bitterness. We're flawed in our relationships, aren't we? Causes problems and, and not getting along with one another, especially the, the people that we're closest to. We're flawed in our thinking, especially how we view God and how we see as we're going to look at at times the challenge of seeing his goodness. Why? Because sin is distorted on our understanding of the true character of who he is. Now, because of all our flaws... And more mistakes that we make because of our flaws, it really can lead us down a dark road, can it? It can lead to depression. It can lead to dis- despair. And I always think in times, this desperation that we find that is it's sometimes a sense of hopelessness and helplessness that comes over us. And I can say all that and you, be- you, you, you uh, nod your head because yes, we know that to be true. What do we do? Well, we, we try harder. We try to get better. <laughs> you know, how's that going for you? Right? We try harder. It's tough. And in fact, the people all through human history have tried to do this. And people try to be perfect. And, and religious systems have been formed trying to please God. In fact, what we're going to be looking at this summer comes from the book of Hebrews. 
And the whole book of Hebrews, the writer there, which you, you, we don't know who the writer is. That's one mysterious, they don't identify themselves. No one has ever figured out who the, the writer of Hebrews are. But the person that wrote Hebrews must have had some Jewish background because it talked about the people, talked about the Old Testament and what priests did and what sacrifices were made. And it was all to appease God. The people tried really, really, really hard through activities and rituals to, to appease even their guilty conscience, but it was never enough. And you read all through Hebrews, the first 10 chapters of Hebrews are all about when people really, really tried and it wasn't enough. And you get toward the end of Hebrews 10, it describes at the end, what Jesus did for us. It's first 10 chapters all about what Jesus did for us and what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross, the flawless one, the perfect one who had no sin became sin for us once and for all so that you and I can stand before God flawless. That we can stand before God follows. And I think it was pretty amazing, Veronica and Shereen, that scripture. We didn't, we don't, you think sometimes we plan things to the T around here, we don't. Where she, she read Hebrews 4, 15. She didn't know I was going to read the next verse, 16. And here it is. Of all Christ has done for us. And that's because of it. Flawless people. You know what we can do? We can do this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wow. You and I, we, not because of anything we've done, it was because of the grace of God and what Christ accomplished on the cross so we can receive that forgiveness. We cannot be before God flawless and not only stand in his, in his, in his presence and be in his presence upon his throne with confidence, we can go and find mercy and grace in the time of need. That means anytime, anywhere, you and I, we don't need anybody to help us to get into God's presence. And what's so amazing is that God's presence is not just here on this earth that we could experience, but one day as Christ followers, we will experience that presence before the throne of God and it will be forever. That day is coming. That day is coming. But I want to remind us today is that day has not happened yet. Being flawless, as much as we love diamonds, it's not looking pretty. It's not being beautiful in God's eyes. It's actually, he's called us to a place to be useful. You might, we're beautiful in his eyes and we're covered with his, his blood and we're, we're flawless in his, in, in, before the throne of God. But that perfection of what he did in us is so that we can be useful. Bible describes being holy. Holy is, does not, you, some of you know this, it doesn't mean perfect. It actually means to be set up and set aside for special purpose. Some of you have uh, fine china in your, you know, china closet or hutch or whatever it is. And when growing up, my mom and dad, you know, we had this nice fine china and, and, and then some of it we inherited. And then we have, then we got married like 24 years ago today, people thought we needed like really fancy plates. And then we, we got these plates and we got a stack of plates and cups and everything. And we, we use it 
twice a year. <laughs> you, do, you probably do too. And, and, and then you, you put it out. And of course, now our kids are a little older. I mean, you remember when your kids are younger, like, okay, this is dangerous. Okay, this is really expensive. And you, there's a little bit of trust that's built and you put it out. And, you know, but then, you know, I remember as a kid, like if I broke a plate, I have a feeling I'm going to get out of, I'm going to get kicked out of the family, you know, so just be careful with it. And I, I say all that is like many times when we think of special and, and, and beautiful and all that, that it's not being useful. And the reality is it's God sees us as fine china. He really wants to use us as everyday wear. And everyday wear along those lines that we're going to get chipped up and we're going to get faded and we're going to have gone through the dishwasher a hundred million times. And we're going to be still though, God sees us with special purpose as his vessels. Chipped up, dinged up a little bit, a little bit faded, but he goes, no, you are still special. And there's work that I want to do in and through you. And that really, really is this, is that God didn't send his son to save us just to look good, but to do good works. And so if you're here this morning, you're going, you know, life kind of seems boring sometimes and mundane and kind of a grind. And there's, there's a lot of lack of kind of purpose in life. In fact, some of you are standing right now, like you having one graduation party after another, right? You have a graduate here today and there's just a lot of busyness going on and you're looking at summer and it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down. I get all that. I understand. I'm taking a break here in a few minutes. Okay, I get that. Um, good to take breaks. But put aside all that. I want to just say, do you ever kind of deep down feel like, is God really using my life to the greater potential? Do you and I have, do you ever have moments in your day where you're kind of going, is there not more to life? It, it, do you ever desire that, there, that God would use you to make a greater difference in this world to see transformation? What's well, all of us have to make a choice in this. That, that we have to come to this place. And, and I would tell you before you make this choice, I'm going to talk to the step I encourage you to take here, that all, all these people we're going to talk about this summer are going to take, or have taken, it's this, there's one requirement. Only imperfect people are allowed. So I'm sorry to disqualify you if you think you're perfect. Now, if you are, great for you, right? Go for it. Be the best you you can be, Right? Hope it works out for you, okay? But I want to tell you, if you really, truly want to be used as vessels, flawed, broken, chipped up vessels for God, there is something he wants to do in and through you and I. And I I have to admit, I'm kind of the opposite. I I find myself struggling because I have a lot of flaws. I I mean, there's just stuff deep down. People, if people only knew my insecurities, if people didn't, if people really knew what's going on, the hangups I have and the failings I've had and the thoughts on myself and all of that, you, and and maybe even this, this time off, I can do some reflection and Lord can do some work in me. But I want you to know that if you feel like what I feel like, we're not alone. All through scripture, God used broken, flawed people to fulfill his purposes. And we're going to look at that here. You are, if you're here, you're going to look at it here in the next several weeks in one chapter of Hebrews 11. All the 10 chapters can lead up to chapter 11 where it describes flawed people that God ends up using. And the Hebrew writer lays it out. It's not being looking pretty. It's being useful. In the next several weeks, I'm excited. Some of the lineup, some people are going to be speaking to you uh, this summer. There's going to be some pastors from the other CTK churches. They're going to be uh, Tyler and Eric, our pastors. Ashley, you're going to take a week, aren't you? Are you excited about this? Uh, I, and so it's going to be good. The, they're going to, each going to focus on a person in scripture in Hebrews 11 that exhibited something we're going to talk about. It's this, it's this, that God uses flawed 
God uses flawed people who are willing to walk with him by faith. Flawed people, willing. They know they're flawed, but willing to walk by faith. Throughout history, God did more in working through flawed people with solid faith than solid people with flawed faith. And the reason this is true is that, that, that God, uh, God comes along in and, and, and our lives, and when we're willing, we're willing to go, I don't have it figured out, I, got, I don't know what to do, that we're willing to take this, as we're going to talk about, this step by, to live by faith. And that's really this phrase you're going to see throughout the entire summer in this series. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Abel, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses. And when we look at this, what we're doing is we're not elevating these individuals as much as we can kind of call them heroes of faith. No, no, Jesus is the hero. They're flawed, broken, messed up. You're going to go through this list in Hebrews 11 like, this list, why her? Why him? Why did they make the list? Hasn't anything to do with their character, had to do with their faith. They're even, even they're as flawed people. But what does that mean? What does by, by faith really mean? Well, Hebrews 11.1, 1, the writer gives us the definition of that. He says this, now faith is confidence and what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. The ancients were these people that we're going to be talking about in the next several weeks in this series this summer about, and they express their faith in action. We're going to talk about what faith is. What is faith? You're like, I think I kind of know. You know, we talk about, you know, you just have to have more faith. I got to have more faith. Where's your faith? People, people use this. And I think people a lot of times talk about faith like they talk about love. Like, I love pizza, but I love my wife of 23 years. They're like, which one do I love more? It depends on when I'm hungry, right? At this point. Um, <laughs> I love my wife when she has pizza. That's, that's even better, okay? Right? But that's kind of confusing. We use love and we throw faith around. Like, you know, I, I heard someone say, oh, faith is kind of like a spare tire. It's great to have, uh, have hoping you'll never have to use it, right? It, it's just kind of on the side. No, no. Faith, true faith is in, ingrained. It's, 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 it's the fabric of our life. And yet faith is very complex and it's, it's very involved. And I'm going to take a, temp, a shot at this as flawed person, try to explain to you a little bit. I'm not going to give you a perfect answer about what faith is. As we define faith, recognize this is, as we're trying to figure it out, it's also a refining time. How do you, how do you make diamonds? With, it's from coal, coal, yeah, it's time and pressure over a lot, a lot of heat, a lot of time, and our lives are the same way. Our, our faith is forged through the tough times and the difficult times and, and, and discovering really what true faith is. Now, let me help you a little bit. You take these as notes here and fill in. What is fa- faith is not and is? What is faith is not and is. Faith is not something you pro- profess or possess, but it's what you express in action. Okay? So people talk about like, you know, uh, they have a good confession of faith. Like their, their faith is, it's like a set of standards and what they agreed upon. Well, my faith allows me to do this. That's not part of my faith. People talk about that way. You, you hear about that. And, and if, if that's a mentality that people have, well, it's really kind of based on knowledge and words. When you say about that, is really you're telling me the religious rules that you know really well and you're good at articulating them. That's pretty much about it when it comes to it. If it's just said, 
It's just a set of beliefs that you have. I've been around 30 years and I've seen people how, how they communicate and they talk very religious. And I'm like, behind it all seems kind of fluffy along the way. See, just thoughts and words with no action is really not true faith. And, and James tells us this way. Apostle James says what faith really is. He says, some would say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. What I do. Faith is not, an, it's not a noun. It's a verb. And so when it says Hebrews loved ones, faith is, what it's saying is faith is a present continual reality. It's not something you just do on the side when you need it. It's a very much a part of your life. It's a way of living. It's not some virtue that you hold to. It's actually a part of you. And faith really is synonymous with trust. Trust and faith are the same thing. Trust, I think we can identify. It has a little bit more teeth to it in practical terms. Trust means that that it's not what I I say I do, but what I actually do is showing my trust. But, But what do we trust in? Well, it's this. Faith is not believing that, but it's trusting in. There's a distinction between what faith is. It's not just believing that, but trusting in. 80% of America believes there's a God of some sort. Big whoop de doo right? People don't really live out what really, if they really, really, truly hold and understand who God really is, they would live differently, but they don't. And even Christians go, you know, oh, I'm so thankful that I have a wonderful believer as a boss, or I work with a coworker as a believer. Listen, don't stop believing, okay? I won't sing the song, but don't stop, don't stop believing, Okay. Keep believing, but believing is not enough. And so it's kind of like this is believe that people kind of like, well, I believe this is why this is faith. This isn't really true faith. It belief starts, faith starts with believing, but we can believe a lot of things, right? And we can believe the right things. We can believe that love is a real thing. You know that. You can believe that, that Jesus came. You know, we can believe that Jesus died. We can believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he died for our sins and he's getting life. We can believe that's wonderful. But it's not enough, enough to come to Christ, it's enough to say, I believe that Christ died for me. And that, that's a beginning point of our faith. It's not getting us clearly on the journey. All good of believing, but even James says this, he goes on, he says, you, you believe in God, good, even the demons believe in shudder. Believe is good. It's just the starting point to really what is faith is, is really, it's really trusting in. Trusting in. And the word trust actually means to put your full weight upon. Say, when I, when I sit in this chair, I'm trusting in and it'll hold me up, right? Some of you didn't have any doubt whatsoever because you've experienced trust before in the chair you're sitting in. I had a lot of confidence I could, I could sit in this chair because you're sitting in a chair, right? Now, Trust in is like that. I'm not, I'm trusting in a person. When I trust in someone, I'm putting my full weight upon them. I'm, I'm being vulnerable. I'm opening myself up. I'm, I'm sharing my resources and my energy toward them. And it's the same way with God. When we trust in him, we're putting our full weight of our lives upon him. And we do. God releases in my life. Oh, I, when I do that, I'm releasing my life into his hands. Now, know this is because of it. Faith is not based on feeling, but an utter dependence who God is and that he is good. That he is good. When I, when I sit in this chair, I have the confidence it'll hold me up. Now, if I, I weighed a thousand pounds, I think we all be like doubting. I think prayer would come and you begin to believe, can this chair hold me up? Right? 
And the same with God. I, I don't, we're not, we're not supposed to follow God blindly, like, or have faith that's blind faith. No, the Bible talks about what faith is, is the confidence. Where do we get that confidence? It's through experience and it, based on knowledge of what we do know and what we can experience. That makes sense? It doesn't, it's not just like, I'm just going to believe. No, no, no. It has teeth to it. Confidence that's there. So my faith is not the result of who I am. It's really the result of who God is. And Hebrews tells us this. He goes on. And I love how it says in the message. Listen to this. It says that the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Man, that really is powerful. That our foundation that we lay upon, that we trust upon, is in who God is. And what he's accomplished. In verse 3 of Hebrews 11, it goes on. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. What the writer is saying is, listen, God created. He, he shaped. He formed life and the universe. But not only created, he's in control. And what that means is what he, he said he did, he did. What he say he will do then, he will do. And you don't need the universe to be proof to you. You don't need Mount Baker to show you the existence of God because you know it in you. You know it. You've experienced it. I think as much as we can deal with doubt and skepticism of, of the existence of God, all of us are evidence to this. All of us ex- experience at times moments that God has been with us, that God has got us through us, that God has helped us through what we're getting through. And so what that means is I can still then place my confidence in God, that God, you got me through it. You're going to get through me again. You're going to help me again. You're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. Because I, I know you are not just perfect, but that you are good. You're good. You've proven yourself. And when I'm in the midst of the fact that I haven't been healed yet, I haven't got that job yet, that relationship is not mended yet with my, with my spouse or with my kids, I'm trusting that you're not only perfect and your will is perfect, but you are good and you'll make it good and you'll work if I trust in you. I put my full weight on my utter dependence upon you and who you are. Next weekend, Tyler's going to be opening up, sharing about Abel and how Abel trusted in God's goodness by giving his first and best to God. And when we do that, it's a step. It's not just a feeling. It's an action that we take. And when we take that step, we're going, God, you, you are faithful and you are, you are good. Now, know this about people that walk in, flawed people that walk in faith is this. You don't have to have the faith to finish, but just the faith to start. It's, when I put that in there, I thought that's kind of a low bar, really. But it's a beginning point when it comes to faith. Because let's just face it, sometimes we're like, man, these, these giants of faith, these heroes of faith, how do you do it? No, it starts small. It starts with the first step. One of the things that we can all share in common, as much as you all came from different homes and you put on different clothes and you ate different breakfasts and you're here, we all share one thing in common that got us here. We got up. Okay? Okay? We got up. All the losers that are sleeping in and missing church on Sunday... Okay, that's who we need to pray for, okay? No, uh, but you got up. Good job. Not, I doubt 
you're a weirdo if you do this, but if you get up in the morning and go, I'm going to conquer the day. It's going to be awesome. Okay. You know, if your spouse, you know, it's like, please knock it off. Okay. That is not, some, most of us are getting up in the morning and we're just making baby steps to the shower. Okay. And let it roll over you. Okay. Then I'm going to get dressed. And then we make baby steps to the coffee pot. Please drip. Oh Lord. Just, that's your first priority. Come faster coffee, please. <laughs> Okay? We're just getting through the day. It's okay to have, and I'm saying the minimum tally, but at the end of the day, hopefully you conquered something for Jesus. Hopefully you did something wonderful, but it starts with the first steps that you take along the way. Faith is the same way. And I said earlier, now faith is not something possessed, but there is something of a size that does matter when it comes to faith. And here's the beautiful thing about the size. It actually can be very, very small. Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. What is it telling you? It's not about the size, but it is about the substance. Faith is that substance. Do you have that faith? Oh, God can work with a little bit of faith and do a lot of what he wants to do. If we're willing to surrender our total weight upon him. I love what St. Francis Assisi says this. Start doing what is necessary, then what's possible, and then suddenly you're doing the impossible. It really does work that way. Small steps along the way. In fact, if you want to move mountains, one of the mountains of problems and challenges and endeavors, God wants to do that, but he wants you to take, and you, you can write this in next, is this, that faith begins by taking one small step into the great unknown. 11.1 says this again. Now, faith is confidence, what we hope for, and assurance of what we do not see. That's how it works. Faith only works in the dark. It really comes down to that. And it's back to our confidence that what he did, God did, he will do. He will accomplish what he's going to do. And, but it's stepping into the unknown. We've never been there before. That's the whole point of it. And that's the essence of the story of Abraham that uh, Derek Archer is going to talk in a couple weeks on. He's going he's to talk about, I'm sure, where he talked about Abraham left the land that he known to in a land that he didn't know. And this calling and this covenant he made, he made with God because he's willing to take the action step of faith. Listen, tomorrow will be the same as today if we're not willing to say, Lord, I want to take a step a little bit further in faith with you. Now, one more thought here and we're, well, a couple of thoughts we're wrapping up is this. Faith, faith is a long walk of obedience and faithfulness that will eventually lead to a legacy of fruit. I don't want to give away completely the end of this series, but if you read the end of chapter 11 of Hebrews, what you find very, very in common with all these people, it says that none of them were commended for their faith. <laughs> all the work and all the toil and all the effort. No, on this earth, none of them received the reward. You know what? Some of the people re receive reward, they're beheaded. Some of the people, they're, 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 they're burned alive. They're crucified. There's people at the end of these heroes of faith that we look at, flawed individuals ended up that God still used and accomplished so much. That has how it works sometimes, that our full reward will not be here on this earth. It's actually our legacy is what we leave behind. That's the true work. And the legacy of those individuals that we read about, who, what is that? It's us. We're the legacy of what was left behind. And now it's our turn. It's our turn to live and to take steps of faith and to be useful, not beautiful. I love beautiful diamonds, okay? Beautiful, right? Right? Wonderful. But we're not called to be diamonds. We're called to be vessels. We're called to be used of God in a, in a way. And I, I, as our team comes, I want to wrap up with this story. And 
I don't usually tell stories like this, but it's one of my favorite stories. And I think it just sets the, the tone and the, the really paints the picture of what this whole summer series is going to be about when it comes to being flawed. It's a story of a, oh, of a water bearer in India. He had two large pots. You can see the, kind of the picture here of it. So you kind of picture the, the pole across. And, and one side of the pot, it's a perfect pot. There's no holes in it. It looks great. And it's useful. And, 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 and when the water bearer fills up the water to the top, it's, most of that water gets to the destination that he needs to get it to. It doesn't, doesn't, nothing leaks out and spills out. It's a great little pot. On the other side, it's the, the other one has some cracks in it. It's a crack pot. And, and, and there, is, there is leaks in it. And it's, you know, it's flawed. You know, it's just, and so he carries these pots. And so when he gets to the end, to the, to the master's house where he delivers the water, one has a full, you know, can of water. The other one has half amount of water in it. So he does this over and over and over again. Now, the story goes like this. If, if these pots could talk, you know, the, the one pot would go be proud of like how much I've accomplished. I'm delivering this. I know my purpose and, and all this, this water. I do my full potential. I'm getting all the water there. I'm so proud of myself that I got the water there, okay? To, all the water. Of course, this crack pot along the way is feeling little, you know, imperfect. He's feeling a little embarrassed. He's, he, he's comparing himself to the other pot that he can never be enough. He never do enough. And, and so he only delivers half the water along the way. Well, one day that the crack pot says to the water bearer, I'm worthless. I'm not helping you at all. I, 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 I am broken person. I'm flawed. There's nothing you do. I don't know why you keep keeping me. Well, story goes on. The water, water bearer says, well, what I want you to do, when we get the water and we're walking back to the master's house, house along the road, I want you to look to the right and to the left. I want, to look, I want you to look on your side of the road and the other side of the road, and then tell me what you see at the end of the road. Well, they get to the master's house along the road after they got the water. What did you see? Well, the crackpot says, I, I saw flowers, but only one side of the road. I only saw flowers on, on my side of the road, not on the other side of the road. Exactly. I don't know if you realize, I, I planted little seeds along your side of the road. And over the last couple of years, you have watered those seeds a little bit at a time each and every day. You little crackpot, you are useful and you have purpose and you've, you've, you've blessed this side of the road of life. And look at the beauty and those flowers that we have. Now we can pick them and give them to the master. I know that's a silly little story. But it sure has, a lot of, sure, sure has a lot of power for you and I, us little crackpots, us little flawed individuals that don't think we have anything to offer. We actually can bring beauty in the brokenness of our lives, not because of anything we have done, because of what he has done in and through our lives. He sees us as flawless, as perfect, but you and I know in our world, and we're living as flawed individuals. What the key is, if we're willing to walk in faith, he's willing to use our broken, our broken vessels, jars of clay, scripture says, to water this world with the gospel of Jesus. If we're willing, if we're willing. Listen, no perfect people are allowed in here. Okay? It's only people. They're saying, God, I am flawed, I'm broken, but I'm willing to put my entire life, I'm willing not just to believe, not just to believe, but to trust in you completely with my life.